happy 2023. I hope you guys had a wonderful Christmas full of memory making, togetherness, and remembering the true gift that Jesus is every day of our lives. It means so much that you're here taking time out of your busy day to listen and support Taming the Lion podcast. You may know well the verse that your body is a temple that God dwells in. This verse is often used as a pillar in life, whether physical or mental, but often we leave out the spiritual component. Instead of limiting this verse to only one aspect of our body's temple, I hope to address the responsibilities we have to the whole temple. This verse encompasses so much more than any one pillar. It's a foundation, and it goes beyond taking care of our bodies. First Peter 5 verse 8 says this, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. I am your host, Brittany, and on today's episode, we will take one of his lies and turn it on its head, uncovering the myth and unlocking the truth of what God's word has to say about it. Are you ready? Let's get going. There are some Bible verses that seem to make their way into the pulpit, or perhaps our parents' mouths, more than others, and I feel like this is one of them. I've heard it spoken throughout my life, and that is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. The King James Version reads like this, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Throughout this podcast, I hope to expand on the responsibilities we have within our own temple and address the lie that this verse is limited to just physical or mental maintenance. While those are important, we often leave out the spiritual component of what it means to be a temple of the Lord. I looked up several definitions of the word temple, and all say the same thing, that a temple is a building or a house dedicated to the worship of a deity. Like a building, we have outward components that are creator purpose to keep us protected. There's our skin that keeps germs from entering, and our clothes to cover our nakedness, which came after the fall. But unlike actual buildings, we have one huge advantage. That is that we are alive and free thinking. This verse is essentially telling us that we're a church within ourselves, with God serving as architect, designer, and indweller. When I think on this... I see just how invested God is in His work. Unlike an architect or a builder that moves on when the job is done, we were created for Him to remain in us. By Him wanting to remain in us tells me that it's His desire to play an active role in our thoughts, our decisions, actions, and worship. There's a popular Christian kit song called This Little Light of Mine. I'm sure you've heard it. Part of that song says, Hide it under a bushel, no. I'm going to let it shine. While we understand that our churches are intended to be salt and light as a blessing and service to the community, we as individuals have that same responsibility. How often do we take the blessings and hope that we receive in church, carry it out, and then allow it to burn out or be hidden behind our own temple walls? While I believe the purpose of church is primarily for the worship of God and not for ourselves, Its members are recharged and encouraged in the process. 
These blessings are intended to be carried outward and spread far and wide, but they're often tucked away by Monday. It's not only a pastor or a deacon's job to let their light shine and carry it to a world of sinners. The role of believers extends beyond assembling together to worship and be fed. We need to be careful once our light is sparked not to keep it to ourselves, as if our own temple is a bushel. I know I'm guilty of this, and I hate to admit it, but here's what it can be like for me if I'm not careful. Church is a very welcoming and comfortable place for me. When church is over, I then go home and immediately get to work on whatever I need to accomplish for the week ahead. I get wrapped up in my own schedule, my own priorities and family commitments, and then before I know it, I've had a full week of distractions. I go to church to once again be fed, spiritually nourished, rejuvenated, and I enjoy warm fellowship, only to count myself blessed yet again, but keep the blessings to myself and within my small family circle. My cup runs over, but what am I doing with the overflow? Am I encouraging those I see during the week? Is my attitude one of gratitude? Am I checking in on the widows and the hurting? Am I brightening someone's day? Am I uplifting my kids? And am I being a role model to someone else's? Even if we as Christians are careful to maintain that light throughout the week for our own benefit and personal growth, if it stays within us only, it's not going to have the potential impact to help drive away darkness from another person's difficult days. So whether we're being unintentionally stingy with God's blessings, or we leave our light unmaintained, we're giving precedence to the distractions and self-serving ways of the world instead of God's plan for bringing hope, kindness, and light to all people. Consider these three verses. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Philippians 2 verse 15 That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. And Matthew 5 verse 16 Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. God never intended for the church to be a standalone light but for the light to be transferred into our hearts and then out in our communities. Because it's not about the building, but what permeates outside. It's about the contents, not the shell. And yet we use the verse that our bodies are a temple to focus on the physical or mental aspect of taking care of ourselves, and we leave out the spiritual aspect of what we bring to others. While we often view the church as a castle of refuge, where we retreat from a cruel dark world, and in one sense it is, we should also view the church as a place where we are being equipped for going out into battle, not retreating from the battle. Matthew 16 verse 18 says, And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Gates are defensive structures that don't move. This implies that we are to go out into the world. It doesn't mean as individuals we single-handedly take on the evil in the world, but we should be shining our lights into darkness to encourage and build up and also to help strengthen the army of God. After all, Christ has overcome the world already. If we believe that we fight a winning battle, 
Our lives should reflect that. Light is equated with good. When God said, let there be light, he saw that it was good. The closer you are to the light, the more you can see. But even light in a far-off corner is an encouragement when someone is surrounded by darkness. Never underestimate your reach. Light equals good news, but good news becomes old news when it's not shared. What you say, how you treat people, and your priorities are a direct reflection of what is in your temple. Here's another job the temple of God has. 1 Timothy 3.15 begins like this. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. A church is the pillar of truth. As Christians, we have the responsibility to know the truth of scriptures. We also serve as a pillar. A pillar is a firm, unwavering support underneath a heavy load. It can also be defined as one who occupies a central or responsible position. We have responsibilities specific to professing to be a follower of Christ in the way we talk and behave. To be a pillar of truth, one must know truth, believe truth, and speak truth. And there's only one truth, and that's God's truth. There's not room for interpretation or political correctness. The Lord makes His views very clear, and it's up to us believers to take Him at face value and support what the Scriptures say on any particular matter. Sometimes it seems we hide behind the pillar instead of being the pillar. And sometimes it seems we're more focused on people-pleasing than boldly proclaiming His truth. So one way we're a temple for God is to be a pillar of truth. Another spiritual component of the temple, in addition to bringing light into the community and being a pillar of truth, is to be salt, like it says in Matthew 5, verse 13. Here it says, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. In Jesus' time, salt was extremely valuable, though now it's more readily available than it used to be. You would be hard-pressed to find a household that doesn't have salt in a kitchen cupboard or out on the counter. It serves many purposes, and one is that salt purifies. I remember from my youth the instructions to keep my body pure and undefiled before marriage. Even though I've been married for 12 years, it's still sound advice for a lot of reasons that I'll refrain from going into in this podcast. However, the more pure we are, the more we set ourselves apart from the world, giving others a glimpse of what it looks like to be washed clean by the blood of Jesus and being a disciple of goodness and light. While blending into the crowd might be more comfortable, God never really gives us this option. We're to give people reason to question our actions and attitudes, enabling God to work freely through us. Consider 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? So while salt purifies, it also preserves. Not only does it preserve the temple of God in us, if we are being both salt and light in our communities, we're actually playing a vital role in preserving our environments from further decay. As you know, salt is made up of very tiny particles. These particles bring out flavor. But when the salt combines with dirt, 
It becomes impossible to separate and good for nothing. In order to serve its purposes, salt must remain unsoiled and pure. In addition to being a purifier and preserver of all things good, salt brings out the flavor of the gospel. While it's not going to lose its flavor on its own, we should take strides to not allow it to mix with impurities, as it's going to be of less or none effect. While the truth and purity of the gospel remains, we will tarnish it in our own lives when we intermingle it with the world's impurities. We will lose our flavor in the world and bring about something very unsavory. Here's another thing about salt. It's used to clean and treat wounds, and in primitive times, it was considered life-saving. Although in modern times there's been some debate on whether or not it has such drastic healing properties, it's long been used to draw out fluid from the wound and prevent bacteria from growing. One known fact that I'm sure no one will argue with is that if you put it on an open wound, it will sting. As a Christian, have you ever been convicted in your heart of something? Hopefully the answer is yes, because it's proof that the Holy Spirit dwells within you. Sometimes we're the ones that are walking in error, and God uses another person to help gently convict us. If you're walking in the light, God may use your life and example to help convict another person. And as a side note, it doesn't look like self-righteousness, or pushing scripture down someone's throat, or being overbearing. Nor does it look like standing in a corner. It looks like grace-filled patience and humility, while showing courage and care. When Christians don't conform to the world and remain true to God's ways, we're able to have a greater impact on society, not condoning ideas and acts that are contrary to God's word. Sin is no longer validated, and consciences will be pricked. It's one way the Lord uses us to encourage and lead others. Not only does salt bring out the flavor of the gospel, it can also cause thirst. This world needs more people thirsty for His word. Essentially, salt affects everything it touches, whether it's a taste bud or an open wound. In order to be the salt, our lives should reflect the instructions of Jesus in a gracious, bold, intentional, and others-focused way as we actively fight against the world's darkness. While light penetrates darkness, salt edifies, and together they bring about transformation. Yes, we're to take care of our bodies mentally and physically. We're to watch what goes in and how we present ourselves to others. But that's only the starting point. Our temples are about more than ourselves. So in this new year, how do we maintain our temples and ensure that we're reflecting the worship of God outward? Where do we begin in our already swamped lives? I believe it starts within. What areas of your temple need a good cleaning? Is your temple being taken care of and nourished physically and mentally? Start there, but don't stop there. Is it a place where love flows outward, bonds are strengthened, and grace is shown? Ask God to show you how you can be salt and light in your groups around your community. And it doesn't just affect adults. Many children are growing up without good mentors and without spiritual guidance. Children are being swept up in the world's fierce current right and left. If we're not investing in our children, the world and its self-serving ways will. Everyone has the duty to look out for the immature, the voiceless, and the vulnerable. Be gracious and invest in those around you. 
Let people know you're thinking of them and praying for them. Speak truth and boldness, study God's word, stand up for the wrongfully accused, and ask God often to use you as you enter into each place, whether that be a grocery store, a restaurant, your workplace, your child's school, your apartment complex, sporting events, and essentially anywhere and everywhere you're around others. Matthew 6, verses 21 through 24. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness! No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. I'd like to end with a few words from a hymn sometimes sung in my church. Have I let my light shine as it should, plain enough that others may see? Or have my deeds been so worthless and bold that others are blinded to thee? I'd like to say a prayer for us. Lord, you have blessed us with the Holy Spirit residing in each of us, and we know it comes with a responsibility that's not to be taken lightly. Thank you for this gift, and that we're not our own. Show us how we can shine our light in a world of darkness and be salt in a world of sin and heartache. We ask that you would help us take care of our temple, both for us and for those around us. Please show us the ways in which we can do better, and when situations arise where we're faced with adversity, please help us to stand firm for your truth and your ways. May we not retreat, but may we boldly go out and shine our lights. Help us also, Lord, to look out and care for the young children, the feeble, the widowed, the sick, and the poor. Light our way, Lord, so that we may walk in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Like what you just heard or know someone that could benefit from this message of hope? Then please take a quick moment to pass along the encouragement by following and sharing this channel. Through God's grace-filled word, we can tame the lion. You got this.